Welcome to the premiere episode of the Takeaway Podcast, where we cover the NBA and the NFL every single Saturday, bringing you the most up-to-date news across both leagues for both sports nerds and newcomers alike. I'm your host, Jihan Lee, and today we will be covering my favorite teams, the Donovan Mitchell trade, if the Cleveland Cavaliers are actually contenders this year, and my 2022-2023 Super Bowl picks. So starting off with our first topic is going to be my favorite teams across both the NBA and the NFL. Starting with my hometown teams, and those are going to be the OKC Thunder and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, obviously, this is a new channel and a new podcast. So for everyone, I guess this is new information, but I grew up in Seattle. And so I grew up watching the Seattle Seahawks on their Super Bowl runs and then uh, an NBA team that I really wanted to follow was originally the Seattle Supersonics, but obviously they moved to OKC. And so I followed their journey uh, to the finals against the Miami Heat. And then later on, um, the joys and happinesses that, and the sadness and frustration that has happened across the many few years um, that the OKC Thunder have been part of the league, but there was a bright tunnel, a light at the end of this tunnel now. We have a little bit of hope in OKC now. Um, as for the Seattle Seahawks, um, we are back at the beginning of that dark tunnel. Um, and so hopefully we have uh, some good pieces on the Seattle Seahawks, but let's talk a little bit more in depth of the OKC Thunder and the team that they have right now. Um, during the draft, I got to watch it live, and the surprising pick for me was Paulo Bancaro at number one. Most mocks had Jabari Smith going one, but um, so originally I thought there was maybe a possibility that we would take Jabari Smith at number two, but personally, I did still want Chet Holmgren. Not that Jabari Smith is a bad player by any means, but I just saw Chet Holmgren having a higher ceiling, which is something we really, really needed um, at that four or five position, uh, wherever, uh, we end up playing him, whether, you know, his size at the, uh, center position or because of his weight, we might, might want to pull him out and have him defend fours a little bit more because of that weight of trying to pull him out of defending the post, but we'll see what happens after he recovers from his injury, which means possibly we could get another lottery pick. Uh, it kind of changes the direction and the idea of what many OKC fans should be having approaching this next NBA season. Whether originally what was going to happen is we were going to see how Shea Gilgis, uh, Josh Kitty, and now Chet Holmgren adding to that mix, how far of a you know a young team we would be having. But now that we don't have Chet Holmgren, it kind of changes the outlook of how we're actually looking at this season in the sense that before with Chet, we could have been aiming for a playing spot, potentially a playoff spot. But now with Chet Holmgren being injured, it most likely looks like we're getting another lottery pick unless, you know, maybe some other players do take a huge step up, um, you know, specifically, you know, Josh Giddy. Uh, maybe Shea Gill just takes another step up, but we're really seeing, uh, you know, what we have, and then potentially we could be drafting someone like Victor Wembanyama, 
maybe if Shea wants to, maybe he's frustrated and wants to go to an actual contender, then maybe we pick up someone like Scoot Henderson in the draft. Whatever it is, it looks like we will be going and getting a lottery pick. And I think that that is the same with the Seattle Seahawks now that we have traded both. Uh, well, we didn't trade Bobby Wagner away, but we released Bobby Wagner as he assigned to the LA Rams. And then we traded away uh, Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. In return, we're getting Drew Locke as, in my opinion, I believe he is going to be the starting quarterback for this upcoming season. Now, frustrations uh, for DK Metcalf. He could have those things. Obviously, he doesn't have a superstar quarterback. Tyler Lockett is still a uh, an amazing wide receiver that we still have. So outside of maybe Noah Fant, he's not a surefire star. Obviously, has not made the Pro Bowl. But our weapons on the outside are strong. They're solidified, and we have something in place. However, it's the quarterback position, which is a huge question for you know a lot of teams that are starting a rebuild. That would that piece of the quarterback position needs to be set and so it really is interesting whether obviously we're not going to be competing for the playoffs anytime soon but it does beg the discussion of who we would be drafting uh in the upcoming draft whether it's cg stroud or bryce young or if we're even going to get a uh, quarterback in the sense that maybe we win 20 games or someone trades up for a quarterback, or maybe the organization is too worried that we don't have an offensive line in place to protect our quarterback. But I believe that the smartest choice should be to pick a quarterback, and then we can figure out the offensive line, the the weapons, the defense, all later. But if you don't have a, a franchise quarterback, it's really hard to get far in this league. Uh, as for my other two favorite teams i really chose to have one in each conference for the nba for the western conference is okc and for the eastern conference it is the miami heat um so obviously I, jimmy butler is one of my favorite players um i loved tyler tyler them drafting tyler hero and then bam Adebayo being an amazing center coming virtually out of nowhere you know he was a backup to hassan Whiteside. he was able to earn his starting role and then that run to the finals really really enjoyed that i love the culture that uh, miami has you know really getting down dirty and really putting in all your time and effort into the game of basketball and sometimes that can be to a detriment where a lot of them are exhausted by the time january rolls around but i just love miami and it really looks like there are is some hope that potentially if we have jimmy butler uh, healthy, if we have Kyle Lowry healthy, if we have Bam Adebayo healthy, that we can make a deep run in the playoffs. We are a three-point shot away, um, although Max Struess technically did make the three, and we can talk and you know argue about whether we should have made the finals or not, but I mean, no point in arguing over spoiled or spilled milk. So I do believe that the Miami Heat are contenders um, for next season but we will talk about my nba championship picks uh in another episode but i do believe that they are in contention and it has been a joy to watch the miami heat for the past couple of years as for the nfl obviously the nfc is the seattle seahawks for me and and for the afc it is the cincinnati Bengals. i have been i guess you can say a bandwagon but i just loved when they picked joe burrow and i've been a joe burrow fan when he was at lsu and so 
that's when I kind of jumped onto the Cincinnati Bengals bandwagon once he was drafted to the Bengals. And then when they got Jamar Chase, even more enthralled with them. And then seeing them get that Super Bowl run with Jamar, uh, with T. Higgins, with Tyler Boyle, with that defense, with a young coach, with a young quarterback, was just amazing to see. And we'll see how it is that they have an improved offensive line now. They are coming back with essentially the same pieces. There is a potential that they can be uh, make another run for the Super Bowl. And we will be discussing about that later on in this video. But big news in the NBA, Donovan Mitchell has been traded to Cleveland in exchange for Colin Sexton on a sign and trade for four years, $72 million. Lori Markkinen, Ochai Baji, three first-round picks, and two pick swaps. So it is definitely a huge haul for Utah. That can't be denied. You're getting um, three first-round picks from Cleveland, and you're getting two additional first-round picks, which are pick swaps. Um, however, as for the players, um, you're getting Colin Sexton on a sign and trade. You did sign him to a four year, $72 million deal, which is essentially means that every single year, he's not even being paid 20 million, which is a really, really great deal for Colin Sexton. Obviously before, uh, he was injured before, obviously when he was playing, Colin Sexton was really, really good. He was Obviously, defensively, he wasn't some defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart level, but he was serviceable. Um, but to have him at less than 20 mil a year over four years, if he does ball out this season on a Utah team that is not looking to compete anytime soon, you can deal him out to another team that does maybe need Colin Sexton on their team, and you can gain even more assets more first round picks more maybe young players or unproven young players and that can really help and speed up their rebuild as for Laurie Markkinen um he is you know a four that can shoot the ball not the greatest defender but is basically a seven footer um but he's not going to be in the future of the Utah Jazz anytime soon uh Osai Agbaji is a rookie that's coming in, but he is on the uh, older end of rookies. And so to see him coming in uh, into a Utah team that is looking to rebuild, I do feel bad for him because he was on a Cleveland team that was looking to compete in the playoffs. So hopefully Ochai can, uh, or Akbaji can really find his role in this Utah team and potentially maybe take uh, a leap. And hopefully we can see him really, ball out in the NBA. So from the Utah side, they were able to get off of, or not get off of Donovan Mitchell, but able to trade him um, and really kickstart their rebuild. And we're really seeing that Utah has seen their situation and that their ceiling with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert can't consistently get them into final contention. And so they decided, let's just trade both of them away. Let's get as many assets as we possibly can and then let's just start a rebuild now. As for the Cleveland side, uh, we'll just talk about what they gave away. Colin Sexton was not in their lineup. Laurie Markkinen was not in their future, and they traded him away. Ochai Baji did not play for their team. And then you have three first-round picks and then two pick swaps that you're giving away. So for Cleveland, this is kind of a steal where you're giving away three players that 
didn't really contribute outside of Laurie Markinen, none of them got, you know, significant playtime. And so Laurie Markinen was not even in the future eyes of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And as for the three first round picks and the two pick swaps, if you're good, they're going to be late twenties, maybe even late thirties or not late thirties, late twenties to 30, like 25 to 30. If you're making deep playoff runs, uh, which means that they're not going to be highly touted first round picks. And so you're really not giving away much from the side of Cleveland. Now, the reason I say that they're going to be late, you know, 20 picks, uh, picks in the you know late twenties is because this is a very young core. You have Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen, and you have them under contract for a lot of years. Hopefully when Jared Allen's contract is up, he's going to see that this team is a contender and he's going to resign. And that just solidifies their future. That If they can keep those four players, they're going to consistently make the playoffs, no matter who they have off the bench. If we can, if we see them, who, who, if we see who they are right now, with Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland as your offensive, you know, offensive generators, playmakers, and then you have the defensive end cover with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. These are, this is a young core that has a great outlook into the future, and the GMs both for Utah and for Cleveland have done a great job. Obviously, Utah starting their rebuild, and Cleveland wrapping up their rebuild and throwing them into contention now. So it really is a great outlook for Cleveland and for any Cleveland fan to be looking forward to next season. Now for the big question of the day, are Cleveland, are the Cavaliers contenders this season? Obviously in the future, we can definitely tell that they will be uh, contenders. They're probably, if not the brightest, one of the brightest futures for young players uh, throughout the league, a young team with already three all-stars on their team. The thing is, is in my personal opinion, I do not see them as contenders to win the chip this season. That may be a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take, but I do not see them as contenders this season season 22 2022 2023 they are not championship contenders the reason i say that is let's just look at the eastern conference and see who are the top teams not even contenders just who are the top teams that are in that conference alone we have boston who made the finals this year and who i believe are set for another finals run next year Miami, which, as we mentioned before, is another team that, when healthy, can make another run to the finals. Milwaukee literally made the finals and won the finals just a couple years ago, so they are still in contention. Philly and Brooklyn, those two teams have superstars, all-stars on their team, and are looking to make championship runs. All those five teams alone we're not we're not are not only better than them right now with superstars solidified superstars but we're already higher in the standings this year so what does that mean for cleveland does that mean that they're not going to make 
a top five seed. Well, no. There obviously there will be injuries injuries throughout the year, but also that doesn't mean that uh, those five teams have to be one through five in that order. But that Cleveland can can I can definitely see Cleveland sneaking into the top five because below them or who who let's just look at who was above them last year. It was Toronto, Chicago, and Atlanta, and I think that with the addition of Donovan Mitchell, they are immediately leaping all three of those teams. The reason I say that is uh, Toronto really does not have that guy that can create for himself in a playoff setting. Chicago, they do have, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, but with Monzo Ball and Alex Caruso and a lot of injuries that they had throughout the year, I can't really guarantee that they're going to make, uh, you know, a huge leap next season and able to fight for a contending spot and as for Atlanta although trading for design DeJounte Murray and having a defensive guard next to Trey Young is a theory you know in, theoretically on paper is a great idea I don't think that Trey and DeJounte Murray is a great match on court so in conclusion I do think that Cleveland will make a jump this year and I don't think that they will be in the playing tournament which means that they will make a top six seed but I don't think that they're contenders because obviously they have not made the playoffs yet I think that they with with playoff experience you know outside of Donovan Mitchell you know for their young core at least um, I do think that Darius Garland really needs that experience in the playoffs to have a entire team spend days upon days game planning against you and so that Darius Garland can get that experience and then he can translate that into a huge playoff run alongside Mitchell Mobley and Allen and then we can see them in the future contend for that title but I don't think that right now currently constructed is going to be a contender another big concern that I do have for this team even going into the future is that their backcourt of Garland and Mitchell are six foot one guards. And the reason why I say that is defensively, that is not, uh, you know, it's not going to be a strong guard to guard defensive matchup. Now, the argument to that is that you do have Evan Mobley, you do have Jarrett Allen. They can protect the paint, and Evan Mobley can switch onto guards. My rebuttal to that is we see i believe it's in the in the regular season that will work that you know evan mobley jared allen they can protect the paint and evan mobley can occasionally switch onto the guards defend them on occasional possessions and that they will be fine defensively throughout the regular season however i do believe that when the playoffs roll around teams search for mismatches and they will find garland and mitchell in situations where they can attack them we saw that with luca we always we see that with steph we see that with so many guards that are not known for their defensive prowess and that they are searched out for mismatches the thing that this team needs the thing that the cleveland cavaliers need is a coach 
that knows and can execute in a playoff setting a way to hide not only Garland, but Mitchell as well. And so I feel like that is very, very hard to do. The reason why I say that is, let's look at Steph for an example. Steph, not a great defender. He is definitely an improved defender. But obviously when he was coming up, went those final runs, he was not a great defender. So, you know, teams attacked him, whether it was in the low post, whether it was outside with strength. They always search for a mismatch to get Steph to defend the ball. And so a lot of the time they were able to switch because you have someone like Draymond Green, who is very versatile, but also at the guard position, you had Klay Thompson with him. So you could have Steph not having to guard the best uh, guard on the other team, and you can put Clay on that player. The problem is, is that Cleveland doesn't have that. They can't, they don't have just one player that they have to hide on the defensive end. It's Garland and Mitchell. And so I believe that we will see this season, especially this playoffs with Cleveland, how defensively they will function. And I think after we see this season, we could really make a solidified judgment on how uh, well constructed they are as a team going into the future into the future uh, excuse me because that is just the biggest concern i have hiding one defender is it is doable and we see we've seen that throughout you know the nba's history but i think that when it comes to def the, to hiding two guards that can't defend at a high level uh is going to be very difficult to do in a playoff setting but i think throughout the regular season they'll be fine and I think another thing that they can do is get a small forward wing a, that can defend, uh, you know, both guards and wings. Uh, and I think they really need that. And hopefully uh, Isaac Okoro can be that player for Cleveland. And so I really, really look forward to Cleveland throughout this season. And they, their future is bright. Their future is bright. And um, although I don't see them as contenders this year, throughout the future, for the next maybe two, three, four years, I can see them winning a championship with this core of Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen. Uh, moving on to the final topic for today, and probably the longest topic as well, is going to be my picks for the Super Bowl uh, contenders or championship contenders for the 2022-2023 season. In my humble opinion, and this may be a hot take, I think that there are only two Super Bowl contenders currently constructed this season. I know that may sound that might sound crazy, that may sound, you know, coming out of left field, but I think that there were only two Super Bowl contenders currently constructed right now. The reason I say that is, let's just go through who most people have, uh, you know, as contenders. Um, and, and, and I'll take out the two teams that I think are uh, the Super Bowl contenders and are, are my personal picks to end up in the Super Bowl game. Um, and that is, so let's just go through the other teams. Cincinnati, obviously a team that I have enjoyed watching and were in the Super Bowl last year. 
you obviously have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, running back and Joe Mixon, Jesse Bates, that safety, an improved O-line and that defense with Trey Hendrickson, and, and so many, uh, you know, uh, players that they were able to pick up in free agency that made a statement um, throughout last season. However, the biggest concern that I have with Cincinnati uh, that was exposed but not really talked about um, in the Super Bowl, um, I, I can't really say exposed, but uh, was shown as a potential weakness was that they don't really have an outside top corner um now the reason i say that is uh we saw hold on one second um we saw last year that uh they don't really have that number one corner that you know the rams have with um jalen ramsey that the bills have with Tre'Davious white they don't have that lockdown one-on-one man corner that you can really put on just a team's best receiver and we saw that with cooper cup they didn't really have a guy that they can just stick on cooper cup that can just say i want this matchup i want to defend him whether he goes in the slot whether he goes on the outside that you can really just have him play one-on-one defense on him and um i think that that is a concern now if things go right can the Cincinnati Bengals uh, make the Super Bowl and win it? Absolutely. But if I was a betting man, would I bet on the Cincinnati Bengals? No. And there's a, there's a huge reason is that you know the AFC is is stacked. Um, where the other two teams I was going to mention are the Kansas City Chiefs and the LA Chargers, and the way that they're constructed, I feel like is. Um, they have they it looks like they have a higher ceiling a potential higher ceiling uh than the cincinnati Bengals. so let's quickly just talk about them as well so the la chargers justin herbert joey bosa derwin james jc jackson khalil mack keenan allen Rashawn slater santi samuel they're a young team that's up and coming that on paper 100 percent they are a super bowl lock the reason why i don't pick them as a super bowl like if i was a bidding man that i wouldn't pick them as a super bowl winner is that one last year they didn't make the playoffs and it's hard for me to say that a a young quarterback in justin herbert that has not had uh, a playoff has not been in a playoff game has not had that playoff experience and has had to play in a playoff setting makes a run and then wins the super bowl now can the chargers make the super bowl absolutely there is and win the Super Bowl, in fact, absolutely. But if I was a betting man, would I make that bet? No. And we see that we saw that last year with Joe Burrow. And it was Joe Burrow's first playoff run, and he made a amazing run all the way to the Super Bowl, but ended up losing in the Super Bowl to the LA Rams. And so I I could definitely see a similar story happen with Justin Herbert making his first playoffs and making a, a huge run to the Super Bowl, but um that is just one huge concern that does worry me is the fact that they didn't make the playoffs last year um and that he just hasn't had hasn't been on that kind of playoff stage if they did make the playoffs if they did beat out the raiders last year and they were able to give herbert just a little bit of playoff experience i definitely would have picked them to win this season 
it's just the experience that comes with being in that environment, being in that setting, and having that pressure um, on you as a quarterback, as um, the offensive uh, generator uh, for your team. Um, another team that we can talk about is the Green Bay Packers in the NFC. You know, Aaron Rodgers was a you know two-time MVP. Uh, you still have a great defense that you added Quay Walker uh, and Devontae Wyatt onto that defense. You still have Jair Alexander. You have all these pieces coming back. The biggest piece that isn't coming back, however, is Devontae Adams. And that is why it's really hard for me to say that they are Super Bowl contenders. And if you look at, you know, betting sites, Green Bay is still up there. Um, it's just that we saw Aaron Rodgers come out with comments, you know, to the, to the media saying to his receivers that we need to, you know, make less drops. That if the ball is thrown to you, you need to catch it, you need to hold on to the ball. And that, that, that obviously, it <laughs> coming from your starting quarterback, quarterback, the two-time MVP, that is, is worrisome in the sense that you have Christian Watson coming in as a rookie. You're Robert Tunyon, you have all these receivers that aren't that number one guy yet, that are not proven. And it's hard to say, you know, Christian Watson may have a really good season, but to say that he is going to be a number one option on an offense against, you know, the best corners in the league, it's hard for me to say that they can win um, the Super Bowl this year. Uh, just without a real weapon on offense that Aaron Rodgers can really uh, throw to. And the final team that we want to talk about, or I want to talk about before I get into my actual Super Bowl picks, are the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, you still have Pat Mahomes, you still have Travis Kelsey. You know, on defense, you have Chris Jones, George Karloftis looks to be really good in preseason. Uh, you know, you do have coach Andy Reid, and, you know, just that team has experience and has been to multiple Super Bowls, has been in the AFC Championship game multiple times in the past, you know, half decade. They are a team that is built to win and has the experience winning in the, you know, in the postseason. Um, however, very similar to Green Bay, they did lose Tyreek Hill. Now, you do have Travis Kelsey, so you do have a number one option that Pat Mahomes can throw to. However, Tyreek Hill did so much to open the game to relieve pressure off of Travis Kelsey that there's going to be a lot more um, responsibility for Travis Kelsey, um, a lot more attention from the uh, opposing defenses on Kelsey. And now on the outside, you don't have someone, you don't have a playmaker like Tyreek Hill there. Now you'd have MVS, you have Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot, you do have McCole Hardman, but they obviously are not Travis, uh, not, I'm sorry, not Travis Kelsey, they are not Tyreek Hill. And so um, it's, it's hard to say, and it's hard to look at the Chiefs currently constructed and say that they can win the, uh, win the Super Bowl next year, along with uh, losing Tyron Matthew, a, 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 a voice for that defense, you know, being that safety position, able to uh, see the full field, and you—that secondary has become a lot weaker. 
without um, Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. And, you know, there's a reason that he did win uh, the Super Bowl MVP, that he's really that, uh, that, that heart and soul for that defense. Uh, and so can Kansas City Chiefs, you know, offensively be really, really good? Absolutely. With Travis Kelsey, with Pat Mahomes, and with Andy Reid, that is no question that they will figure something out at some point throughout the season. Um, but I think when it comes to postseason time, it's going to be really, really hard for them to execute without a sec- another playmaker outside of Kelsey. And that brings me to um, my two Super Bowl picks. And coincidentally, they are actually one in the AFC and one in the NFC. And the first one, I do think is a little obvious, or both of them are actually pretty obvious. But for the NFC, is going to be the LA Rams. Obviously, they, they did win the Super Bowl last year. You still have uh, Aaron Donald, who I think is the best player in the league right now. Still, you have Cooper Cup, Offensive Player of the Year last year, Super Bowl uh, MVP. You know, triple crown. You have Matt Stafford, who was still amazing last year with Cooper Cup, uh, with Odell, with that, that whole offense. Although he did throw a lot of interceptions, double digit interceptions, I think uh, coming back, having a second season with this team under Coach McVay, I think they're going to be a lot more effective um, and able to do a lot more on offense this season. You still have Jalen Ramsey, who I think is the best corner in the league. And you were able to pick up Bobby Wagner, who is an amazing uh, middle linebacker, who is still um, top 10 at his position. And you were able to pick up Allen Robinson um, to put alongside Cooper Cup. And I think he was a great pickup for the LA Rams. Now, they did lose Von Miller uh, to the Buffalo Bills. And you obviously did lose... Uh, Odell Beckham to uh, an injury in the Super Bowl. But I think that seeing that they were able to come back with a lot of the same pieces and able to add and make huge additions to their team as well, I think does unquestionably put them in Super Bowl contention. And you can't really pull them out of it unless they have some freak accidents uh, throughout the season. I think that's the only way that you can really say that they aren't Super Bowl contenders. And I think that's the pretty obvious pick for everyone to really make and say out of the NFC, uh, the LA Rams are going to make another Super Bowl run. As for the AFC, in the stacked AFC, it's really hard to pick, but I think currently constructed, I do believe that the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders. You have Josh Allen, you have Stephon Diggs, two uh, players that have built chemistry over the past couple seasons. You're bringing in Von Miller, who obviously brought that L.A. team and helped that L.A. team uh, to the Super Bowl. So you're bringing Super Bowl experience to this team. Um, Javius White is still injured, but I do believe that if and when he does come back, he'll bring uh, and make an immense impact for this team on the defensive side of the ball. You have Jordan Poyer. You have Micah Hyde as those two safeties. And even offensively, you still have... Dawson Knox, you still have Gabriel Davis. You still have weapons outside of Stephon Diggs to for Josh Allen to throw to. And even the rookies that they picked out in Kyrie Elam, um, I feel like is going to really, really help uh, this team as well. Uh, Sean McDermott 
is a really, really great coach defensively. The biggest question for this team is obviously their inexperience playing in a high-stakes game like the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, but also how they're going to run uh, offensively with, uh, you know, obviously losing their offensive coordinator uh, to, you know, to the uh, New York Giants. And so uh, it may be a, a little bit different offense that they were a little more pass heavy uh, last season. Um, but I think with them drafting uh, Cook and he is more of a dynamic running back, I think it's going to open up a little more uh, for Josh Allen to run less, uh, you know, not put as much uh, impact on getting hit by tackles. Obviously, we, we still want to see Josh Allen be dynamic with his legs, but to really relieve that pressure off of him, have the running backs, uh, you know, really obviously run and obviously do their job because they really, really didn't, the Buffalo Bills really didn't have a running back that they can really look to on, uh, you know, certain downs where they really need, you know, a couple yards or they need, you know, a big run here where, you know, now hopefully with Cook stepping in, maybe we can see him make a impact for this run game. But it obviously it just doesn't put all the pressure on Josh Allen and a little more run focused is – more of Sean McDermott's offense, but we will see what will happen offensively throughout the season. But I do believe that currently constructed that both the LA Rams and the Buffalo Bills are, you know, the Super Bowl contenders for this season. And if I were to make my Super Bowl picks uh, for this season, I would have to pick the LA Rams. And that would be crazy because that would be back-to-back Super Bowl winners for them. Um, but it's just hard to pick against them with Aaron Donald still being, you know, one of, if not the best player in the league, Jalen Ramsey being the best at his position, Cooper cup, you know, having an astounding season last year, you're bringing in Bobby Wagner, you're bringing in Allen Robinson, you're bringing up that core, uh, that you have, that you won with and with Sean McVay, Sean McVay being an amazing coach. Uh, it's really and, and they do have the easier path throughout the weaker NFC. Uh, I do believe that it is a really, really great choice to be choosing the LA Rams as your Super Bowl picks. Now, this is going to be the end of the very first episode of the Takeaway Podcast. Um, we'll have little clips if you want to see them as well. Uh, we'll also have the podcast version, so if you want to listen to it on your way to work or on to school, Definitely download that, and uh, if you're looking watching on YouTube, definitely click that subscribe button, like the video, share it with your friends and family, comment below for some interaction on the videos as well. Um, without further ado, I just want to thank you guys for watching. Uh, I'll see you guys next week on Saturday. Have a great day. Stay positive. Stay motivated. Peace out.